0: Two of my favorite words, God loves. Two of my favorite words, Jesus saves. Two of my favorite words, on sale. (laughs) (laughs) While back, I was at an outdoor venue, and there were a whole bunch of, of food vendors. One of them was selling burgers. And these things, they smelled good, and they looked good, and they were on sale. The sign said this, and I quote, it said, sale, buy one burger for the price of two and get the second burger absolutely free. Let me go there one more time, listen close. Buy one burger for the price of two and get the second absolutely free. (laughs) What kind of sale is that? It's like, you know, why buy one when you can buy two for double the price? Well, we're teaching, knowing Jesus, we're teaching through the Gospel of Luke. And today we get to this passage, it's chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. And this is really an unusual passage in the Bible because it's one passage, but there are two stories in this one passage. Very uncommon in the Bible. It's like a two-for-one deal. Well, at first read, you're like, these two stories, they're unconnected, they're Unrelated. But God intentionally put these two stories together in the same passage for a purpose. Why? Let's find out. It begins with this, chapter 8, verse 41. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet. Well, why would he do that? And maybe you know this story. It's in the Gospel of Luke. Some of us are familiar with a lot of the stories in Luke. But if you do, think about this story, Jairus was a leader in the synagogue. So leaders in the synagogue. Were, were the leaders of the synagogue in support of Jesus or were they opposed to Jesus? Opposed. Right. Not too long later, it's these same people, these synagogue leaders, that led the charge to have Jesus crucified. So a leader in the synagogue goes to Jesus. That in and of itself could get this guy in big trouble. Well, Jairus, he didn't just go to talk to Jesus. He went and he did this. Verse 41 continues, A man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him. He pled, he begged, he fell to his knees. Grown men don't typically do that. So why? What would cause this synagogue leader to go and to do that? Next verse, verse 42. Because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. His 12-year-old daughter She was dying. This man, Jairus, he went to Jesus, who was considered to be his adversary, and he begged Jesus to come to his house. Why? Here's why. Because Jairus, this guy, was a good dad. He dropped everything that he was doing. He jeopardized his career by associating with Jesus. He humbled himself by kneeling in front of Jesus in public because his daughter, she was that important. Let's pause. This story continues, but I want to pause here for just a moment and ask a question. Parents, do you love your daughters like that? Especially you men. Men. She will call you Father. What name does God give her to refer to Him? Same name. Father. You see this? God has entrusted you with that. You represent Him. So you you may have a lot of goals in life. Don't leave out this one. Invest in your daughter. Spend time getting to know and building a relationship with your daughter. Even if you're busy. Even if you've had a busy day. Even if you're tired. Even if you've got a whole lot of other things spinning in your mind. Build in on this relationship. You know, if she's young, find out what kind of things does she like and spend time doing that. You know, maybe reading with her. Maybe it's... Uh, Reading the Bible and praying together. Maybe it's tucking her in. And as she gets older, you know, uh, that doesn't have to end. Uh, be intentional. Find ways to create space. Go on a date with her. Talk with her. Honor her. Treasure She gets even older. You know, instead of just sharing, oh, all my moans and groans, ask her, how are you doing? Be a safe place where she can come and share what's going on in her life and follow Jesus fully. Show her what a Jesus-following man can look like. She doesn't just need a college education fund. She doesn't just need a coach. She needs a relationship with you. I think one of the things God's doing in this passage is saying, well, how are you doing with that one? Well, Jairus, he he went to Jesus and he begged Jesus to, to help. Here's what happened next. Verse 42. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. So story number one right here is getting interrupted by story number two. Verse 43. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Has anybody here ever lost a toenail? Not talking about a chip, I'm talking about the whole thing. I, I have I do not recommend trying to move a sleeper sofa in bare feet. It's not a good idea. And and here's the thing I, toenails grow back slow. I mean it seemed like forever. It was like nine months but before it kind of like grew back. Nine months felt like forever. Did you catch how long she had been dealing with this? Verse 43, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. Years. Twelve of them. For over a decade, this woman's body did not stop bleeding. And I imagine that there there are some of us who can relate to that. Maybe not that specific issue, but something. You know, familiar with the dynamics of having some kind of a chronic health condition. And you didn't ask for it. You don't want it. And you've tried to get rid of it. It's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. It's depressing. This woman, she wasn't passive. She did what she could do. She went to the doctors. Do you like going to the doctor? Not a tank filler for this guy. Between us, doesn't it seem a little bit troubling that doctors themselves refer to what they do as practice? <laughs> like, come on, I don't want anyone with a scalpel practicing on me. Well, this issue that this woman had. It's not a very common issue today, but it was common back then. In the day of the New Testament, medical experts, they actually offered and they categorized, they had 11 different remedies for people like her who had a bleeding issue. Let me share a couple of the remedies that this woman would have tried because they're still recorded today. These remedies, they're actually found in the Jewish Talmud. Here's one of them. Carry the uh, the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen rag in summer and a cotton rag in winter. I imagine she did that. I imagine she carried the ashes of an ostrich egg with her wherever she went for 12 years. Here's another cure that they had. It was this. It says, Carry barley corn, which has been found in the dung of a white female donkey. (laughs) Did that say what I think it said? (laughs) I can't make this stuff up. This is right there. This is in the Jewish Talmud. So what she had to do, she had to carry the barley, but not just any barley. It was barley that had already been eaten and already been digested. She had to go and pick out barley remnants out of a pile of dung. And not just any pile of dung, right? It, it, all piles of dung must not be equal. <laughs> it had to be out of donkey dung. And not just any donkey. It had to be a female donkey, and it had to be a white female donkey. I read this and think, man, I wonder how much it would cost for a pharmacist to fulfill that prescription today. (laughs) Expensive medication. Well, I imagine that this woman had tried all of that, but none of it, none of these cures that humanity had available, none of them worked. And so she does this, verse 44. She came up behind him, that's Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak. And immediately, her bleeding stopped. Immediately, after 12 years, her bleeding it stopped. What happens here in this passage? Well, this is an act of God. If she received a miracle. This was an amazing gift. After 12 years of chronic suffering, her disease, it was gone. Jesus did what no one else was able to do for her. Jesus, he healed her. Jesus healed this woman with the bleed. Well, what happened to that dad and and his little girl? Well, the passage picks that story back up. Verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. He said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Saying, Jairus, it's, it's too late. You tried, but her suffering o- is over. She, she's gone. Well, Jesus, he overheard this news and he went to Jairus' house anyway. So imagine it, the friends are gathered, the family, they're all gathered and they're crying and they're hugging and they're weeping. Jesus shows up and Jesus says this, verse 52, stop wailing. Jesus said, she is not dead, but asleep. Well, not very pastoral, Jesus but what do you think? Do you think that, you know, back then they, they just weren't as aware of how the body functions and they got it wrong? You think what's happening here is some kind of misdiagnosis? I mean, couldn't they tell back then the difference between sleep and death? Well, of course they could. Certainly they knew the difference. Sleep, as it's used often in the Bible, is a, is a euphemism. Here it's being used to refer to believers who die. Physically, the body is dead, but spiritually, they're not. And look what Jesus does. Verse 54. But he took her by the hand. Now, I love that detail. Did Jesus need to hold her hand? No, but he did it anyway. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up, once dead, now alive, power, resurrection, miracle. When she opens her eyes, what's the very first thing she sees? Well, it's Jesus. When she opens her eyes, when she comes to, what's the very first thing she feels? Well, it's Jesus embracing her. When she comes to, what's the very first thing she hears? Well, It's Jesus. It's His voice. And you know, you and I, I'm going to guess that we may not all get this same kind of miracle on earth, but I do think this is also a picture of what death for the followers of Jesus is going to be like. You know, there's some mystery around that. I think we get a glimpse of it here. Showing us Jesus. He's going to be there to meet us on the other side. And what's going to be the first thing that we see? Jesus. And what's going to be the first thing that we feel? Well, Jesus giving us a big embrace. And what's going to be the first thing that we hear? Jesus. And I find that I find that comforting. Well, Luke chapter 8, we got two stories, but only one passage. And that's very unusual for for the Bible. So we say, why? Why are these two passages put together? Well, both stories, we can see, they, they contain a miraculous healing with Jesus. So let's ask this How? How were these people healed? Well, let's look at it a little closer. Verse 44, she came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Luke is really detailed here. Luke, he, he's clearly wanting to point something out to us. He, he's saying, Jesus, visualize this. He's saying, Jesus, he's turned the other way. Jesus, he's clearly doing something else. Jesus did not call out to her. Jesus did not speak to her. Jesus, he didn't even look at her. Jesus was facing the opposite direction. In other words, she was looking straight at the holy backside. Hey, that's the picture that Luke's giving us. And so we should say, well, Why? Why do we care about that? Luke, why are you giving us these intricate details? Well, here's why. Luke wants to be very sure to communicate so that you know and I know this woman. It was different with her. Jesus didn't approach her. She approached him. Jesus didn't go and touch her. No, she went and touched him. And after she touched Jesus, Jesus said something strange. Verse 45, he said, who touched me? Jesus asked. Now keep in mind what's going on here. Jesus, he was popular at this point in his ministry. Jesus, he drew a crowd. People knew when Jesus was in town, it was a big deal. People came to to see him and to listen to him. So there were a lot of people who were there. There were a lot of people that were touching Jesus and bumping into Jesus. But Jesus still says, well, who touched me? Why would he say that? I think Peter was maybe a little bit embarrassed that Jesus said that. Look at how he replied. He says in verse 45, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. He's saying, Jesus, there's a mob. Hello, everybody is touching you. Ex-nay on the paranoia. Jesus, he's clearly making a distinction. Jesus, he's making a point, and here it is. There are hundreds of people that that are bumping into Jesus, but there was only one that was reaching out to him. Jesus was surrounded by hundreds of people, but there was only one that was truly seeking him. She didn't just show up to listen. She didn't just show up, you know, to kind of watch the show. She, she pursued him. She pursued him. And how about the other story? How about that dad? Did Jairus, did he go to the dad Well, did Jesus go and find him? Well, no, that's not the way it worked. Actually, it was just the opposite. Verse 41, a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. What Jairus does here, it was unpopular. I mean, his co-workers in the synagogue, they found out about this and they probably did. Man, he was going to get in trouble for that. And what Jairus did here in this passage, it was highly inconvenient. This was during the day. I imagine he had other responsibilities to take care of, but he created space and he went and he created this space and he elevated the priority level of Jesus in his life. He prioritized Jesus. He desired Jesus. He pursued Jesus. So what's God saying here? Okay, I, I get what's going on in the story now, but what's God's point? Well, I think it's this. God loves us. I hope you know that. I imagine you've heard that. Also get this, God wants to be known by us. God wants to engage in life with us. God wants to be involved with us, but He's not going to impose that. He's showing us, you and I, we need to take a step. It's all over the Bible. Proverbs puts it this way Proverbs 2, verse 3 says, If you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, read the rest of this proverb with me, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Do you want that? Are you pursuing that? How? Look at your own life. Get specific. How are you seeking God? There's a lot of options. Well. Reading the Bible and studying the Bible and and memorizing the Bible and praying and worship this and singing and serving and giving and reflecting and journaling and getting involved with community. There are a whole bunch of options. See, God, he, he is giving each one of us the freedom and also the responsibility to explore which spiritual practices connect us with him and then create space and go after that are you doing that how a deep relationship with god it doesn't just happen without a, a line item in life for spiritual connection the days they just get used up Carpooling and working on another degree and working and going to school and attending games and planning another birthday party. In this passage, God is asking us to to just stop for a moment and He's saying, What do you want? Spiritually speaking, what do you want? I mean, honestly, what do you want for your life spiritually? Do you really just want enough of God to be able to call yourself a Christian? Or do you really, deeply, passionately want to get to know him, to be able to hear his voice, to be able to recognize him? What do you want? Do you want to to be able to To just talk about God or to know some things about God? Do do you really just want to have a a fire insurance policy for when you die? Or do you want to experience God here, now? The people in this passage, that's what they wanted. Jairus wanted that. Look at this, verse 40, 41. A man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house. And the woman with the bleed, she did this, verse 44. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding, it stopped. And the psalmist did. Psalm 63, verse 1. It says these words O oh God, You are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you have that kind of desire? Hear it again. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul, it thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water, do you want to experience God? How much? How much do you want that? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to carry the the ashes of an ostrich egg? Are you willing... To go and collect barley from the dung of a female donkey. We don't have to do that. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to create space in your life for Him? Committed, non negotiable space. Are you willing to develop spiritual habits and commitments to pursue Him? Are you willing to pursue him? Are you willing to seek him? Are you willing to at least try? Because if God seems distant, or if maybe you're thinking, man, I feel like I'm kind of spiritually stagnant right now, I've got some very good news. God says this through the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 13. God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now notice this passage it's not unconditional. Who will find? Did you catch that? It doesn't say all will find him. And it doesn't say none will find him. Who will find him? Well, some will find him. Which ones? You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the condition. He's saying, those who like these two, those who seek God with all their heart. And I'm wondering, and I think God is asking, does that include you? Do you have that kind of passion? Are you pursuing God like like they did? I imagine that some of you are... Are here today because God wants you here uh, to to say to let you know you are you are invited to dig in. You are invited to get intentional. God is inviting you to to develop some some healthy spiritual habits. You know, a little earlier, Dane he he mentioned the the connection guide that many of you probably got it in the mail. If you didn't, there's a bunch of them out. And the Welcome Center, pick one up. If you're watching us online, check out the website. we got a lot of it there. Or sign up for the e-newsletter through the website. We put these things in there. Do you notice, you know, as far as mailings from the church are concerned, we, I only know of two of them that we actually do in the mail. One is like giving statements. This is the other one. And that should, should tell you something about how important we think this is. Highly important. So I hope that this isn't something that just, you know, went in the recycle bin with junk mail. I hope this is something that you're going to look through. And as you do, they actually say a prayer before you and say, Lord, lead me in this. Lord, is there something that you want to connect with me through? Have it kind of be a prayerful thing as you go through it. And there's a lot in here. You know, classes. Here's one that Dane didn't mention that I found kind of interesting. There's going to be a class on the, the opening chapters of Revelation. I don't know about you, but I don't have that book all figured out. That'd be fascinating it, to learn some things about that. Or, or how about maybe you're here and you realize, man, you know, I really don't know a lot of people. And I look around and I say, oh, there's people that know each other. They look like friends. But I, I don't really have that. Well, he... Here's how that works. Relationships don't get built on on a Sunday morning. They get built outside of this. There's a whole bunch of men's groups and women's groups and community groups. If you want to get to know other people, if you want to build relationships, that's where that happens. But you you, got to take a step to get into that. Or if you notice, you know, serving. It's easy to be discouraged and depressed in life. Studies show one of the best things to do if you're discouraged is to help somebody else, is to serve. Most of the people that you see around here, most of them are volunteers. Just say, hey, I'm going to help. I want to do something. I want to do something just because I I believe in that. You know, sometimes I hear people and they'll say things like, well, I'm not experiencing God or I'm not growing spiritually or I'm not hearing for God or God, He's so hard to find. That is not what this book tells us. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Do you Want that. Because what you want likely explains what you experience. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What do you want spiritually? What do you want? I mean, do you really just want to be able to, to talk a little about God? Or do you really, do you really want to know Him? Do you want to just be able to hear about God? To read about God? Or do you deeply want to experience Him? his presence his guidance his direction his wisdom do you just want to know you know some of the things that god has done through history or do you want to be filled with him here and now do you want that are you pursuing that are you pursuing him how well good news God is available. Good news. God, He's not hard to find. Let's close by reading this passage together. Join me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You have been invited. The ball, it's in your court. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after Second Service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday. We just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends. And also jump on our website, ridgelife.org, to get more connected here at the Ridge.